Hey guys, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It's time for our Week 3 recap, and as always, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you do it, email me a screenshot, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will get you that free Heartland College Sports koozie. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, welcome on in. We are going live on Facebook, also hitting up Periscope and YouTube as well. So we appreciate you joining us. Pete Mundo of Heartland College Sports as we get you set and recap week three in the Big 12 Conference. It was, I believe, overall a very solid week for this conference. The Big 12 should be happy with how it performed as a whole, top to bottom, and we'll get to that. Of course, we are brought to you by betnow.eu. I'm using them for my Big 12 bets, which were awful last week. I understand that. You can make fun of me there. And we can uh, use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus at betnow.eu. They double your money. It's a great deal. So I'm using them. I hope you will as well. And I hope your bets did better than mine did yesterday. Let's, uh, let's go top to bottom here in the conference. Let's start with the early games. The shocker, of course, of all shockers is Kansas. Now, they were favored in this game. I'm not stunned that Candace went out there and got a very solid win, but I'm stunned by the 55-14 to 14 margin of victory. If you saw that coming, and if you're going to tell me you predicted that was going to happen, you are a liar. That's it. There's no one who saw a 40-point win coming for the Kansas Jayhawks yesterday. They couldn't beat an FCS Nichols team a couple of weeks back. That makes the Nichols loss look even worse. It makes it look even worse for Kansas. The fact that David Beatty should be sitting at 3-0 and right now. And let's be honest, if David Beatty is 3-0, and then the fact is he could likely already have solidified himself as coming back next season. He could have because then he'd only have to win one, maybe two Big 12 games, and you could justify him coming back as your head coach. Instead, David Beatty's got himself in a situation where he's 2-1. and one. That's all well and good, but he's still got an FCS loss hanging over his head, and it's still going to be touch and go with how it goes here in the Big 12. If he still gets blown out by 30, 40 points in most of his Big 12 games, forget it. He's done. But had he been 3-0, and and all he had to do was at 3-0 and was to beat an FCS program. Yes, it's a Nichols FCS program that was – in the FCS playoffs last year. But it, it still just drives me nuts that this guy should be sitting at 3-0 right now. Now, I think that game yesterday says a lot about Rutgers. Rutgers looked like a team that quit yesterday. That's what it looked like. This is an embarrassing situation for Chris Ash to get blown out by 40 points by Kansas. It really is that bad for this team. Um, that they got blown out yesterday. But all in all, you got to be happy with how things went for, uh, for Kansas if you're a Jayhawks fan. Now, Joey Galloway, if you know Joey Galloway on ESPN, this is a guy who said last year he thought Baylor was going to win the Big 12. Joey Galloway predicted Baylor was going to win the Big 12 last year. Meantime, they go 1-11. and How he still has a job at ESPN, listen, I make awful predictions all the time. I do. But I'm pretty confident that I've never said something as foolish as – Baylor winning the Big 12 last season. I'm not that dumb. Joey Galloway, guess what he said this morning? He goes, keep your eye on Kansas on ESPN. How can you possibly say that? I I, I get it that Kansas had a good win. It was against Rutgers. They're still going to be underdogs in every single game they play this year. 
how is Joey Galloway? That guy must have taken one too many hits to the head because how he's still got a job is unbelievable to me. And then he wants to tell me to watch out for Kansas. Can we see him compete against somebody other than Rutgers before we go nuts here, Joey? Jeez. I mean, he is <laughs> – this guy's a total piece of work. He really is. Appreciate you joining us. Periscope. We're on Facebook Live as well. We have it going on YouTube as well. So we got everything covered for you. We'll flip it into a podcast too here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Oklahoma and Iowa State. Of course, pop in your questions or comments on the Periscope or Facebook. We'll get them there. Oklahoma and Iowa State. I should really know better. I should know better than to bet against Matt Campbell in a spot like that. I should. Now, Oklahoma won. I give them credit. Iowa State got its offense going far more than it did against Iowa. Two things I come away from this game thinking. First off, I look at Iowa State and I say Zeb Nolan's a better athlete and a better arm than Kyle Kemp. Doesn't mean I want him starting over Kyle Kemp, but the ceiling for Zeb Nolan is higher than the ceiling for Kyle Kemp. Also, all of a sudden, Oklahoma, the defense looked like the defense of recent years. You know, one of our most read articles yesterday was an article that we wrote back in January or February that talked about why OU should not fire Mike Stoops. I didn't write it, but one of our writers wrote it. And yesterday, that was one of our most read articles because a lot of OU fans must have been Googling, it's time to fire Mike Stoops. That's what they must have been doing yesterday because all of a sudden, our article from February about firing Mike Stoops just took off on, on Google search. So uh, that tells you how OU fans are feeling, and rightfully so. Parnell Motley was awful yesterday at cornerback. Now, Hakeem Butler's a stud. That guy's going to play in the NFL one day. There's no doubt in my mind. At 6'6", 215, or whatever he is, uh, he's an absolute animal. But Parnell Motley got eaten alive. He's the weak link right now in that secondary for the Oklahoma Sooners, and they have to figure out how to fix it. Whether it means going younger, I don't know, but they have major problems with Parnell Motley. Team's going to be picking on him from – the rest of the season after the tape that they saw on Saturday. Yeah, he had the big interception um, towards the end of that game to kind of seal the win. But at that point, they had already made so many plays on Pornell Motley. I, I don't know what he was celebrating. I, I really don't. He was um, really struggling throughout that game. Offensively, OU is going to miss Rodney Anderson more than I expected. Not that Trey Sermon and, and Marcellius Sutton, and, and thank God Marcellius Sutton's okay, um, and TJ Pledger aren't really good as a one, two, three punch. But the leading rusher yesterday for the Oklahoma Sooners was Kyler Murray. And I don't think that's what Lincoln Riley wants to have happen. Every time Kyler Murray took off yesterday, you had all of OU Nation and you had every person in the Oakland A's front office holding their breath hoping that nothing was going to happen to this guy as he took off running. He had something like 77 rushing yards. He had a really good game. I'm not concerned at all about Kyler Murray. That was his first true road test at the collegiate level, and he looked really good. But my fear is that he's going to have to do too much in the running game for OU that uh, Rodney Anderson used to take that and alleviate that pressure off of him. So, I want to see how this backfield comes together. Trey Sermon's good, but I think Trey Sermon's better in that, in that 1A role than he is as your lead back. Rodney Anderson is your lead back guy. I'm not convinced Trey Sermon is. Do you still, still think Iowa State can finish top half in the Big 12 after what you saw yesterday? Top half? Absolutely. 
the defense is still really good. I know they gave up, what, 500-something yards to Oklahoma, but that's the best defense in the Big 12, I believe. Uh, yeah, they can absolutely finish in the top half of the Big 12 conference. The Big 12 is totally up for grabs right now after Oklahoma. I don't know if it's West Virginia. I don't know if it's TCU. All of a sudden, Texas looks better, although Texas plays up and down the competition like crazy. Iowa State's in the mix. Oklahoma State's right there as well. They had a great game. So, yeah, Iowa State can absolutely be in the top half of the Big 12. Joey Galloway's clickbait in the human form. He absolutely is. He's a total buffoon. Can you contextualize Kansas's performance the past two weeks? Yeah, I think Kansas won two games that the fan base would have said they, they should have won before this season if David Beatty was going to keep his job. There's a lot of seniors on this Kansas team, a ton of seniors. If they can't win a couple of games this year against this kind of competition, then when's it going to happen? It was never going to happen for David Beatty. So I'm not saying David Beatty's job is safe. I don't think it is. But certainly it's vastly improved from uh, – where this team was just a year or two ago, and that's a good sign. But I don't know if his job is safe right now. I really don't. Well, uh, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for joining us, Periscope and Facebook Live. Let's dive into the other games throughout the day. Oklahoma State might have had the most impressive afternoon. Now, two games that I talked about that the Big 12 needed were Oklahoma State over Boise State and Texas Tech over Houston. They got them both, and that's huge. And here's why. The Big 12 always suffers a credibility problem. And if they were going to go out there Saturday after a really bad week one and lose to two group of five schools, even though Houston and Boise State are very good programs, if they were going to go out there and have Oklahoma State lose to Boise State at home and Texas Tech lose at home to Houston, it would have been a disaster for the Big 12 conference. And both those teams went out there, got double-digit wins, and what – especially Jim Knowles' defense did for Oklahoma State, was incredibly impressive. Jordan Brailford uh, was outstanding in that game yesterday. He was so good for Oklahoma State. And the fact that he's moving guys like Brailford, Jim Knowles is from their defensive end spots all the way into like a linebacker quasi type of role, using them more standing up. It was very impressive. Jim Knowles is thinking outside the box. And this is the very reason that Glenn Spencer is gone. He did not adjust. He was not creative towards the end of his tenure. And there's a lot to like about what Jim Knowles is doing. And he hit a lot of that over the first two games. You didn't see it coming. And then it came in full force. Special teams is great. I don't know if this is Mike Gundy's best team because the offense does not appear to be what I believe it was uh, under a Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, or a, a Mason Rudolph, James Washington. But this might be the most complete team for Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State because of all three levels. Taylor Cornelius is not Brandon Whedon. He's not Mason Rudolph, but he's serviceable. He can throw the ball. I don't think his accuracy is great, but he's also running the ball more. You saw that yesterday, kind of like a quasi. I compared him to like a Ben Roethlisberger where it's not pretty when he runs, but it's effective. And at 6'6", 230, he can take a couple of beatings and he looks good doing it. So I was impressed by Taylor Cornelius yesterday. The defense, as I mentioned, looked great. And then also... Don't forget about the fact that the special teams had a couple of block punts. Now, maybe that's just as much on Boise State as it is credit to Oklahoma, but give them props where they, where they can pick them up because the special teams looked really good. So in all three levels, all three phases, as the experts say, 
Uh, this might be the most complete team for Mike Gundy and justifying the fact that even without the star players, this Oklahoma State team is not going to be winning five games this year. They have really good talent on, on both sides of the ball, and Oklahoma State fans should be really excited about, uh, about what's to come. Question from you on Facebook Live. Uh, will West Virginia missing a game hurt them by the end of the season? There's, there's just no way of knowing. I don't think the rest is going to hurt them against K-State this week. I think K-State's, even with that big win yesterday, not a very good team. And uh, not having that win against NC State is not going to hurt them in the resume department, I don't believe, by the end of the season. And I don't think the committee should hold a canceled game due to a hurricane against them. I don't think that's at all the right way to do it if you're the college football playoff committee. Where it potentially hurts is the credibility for the Big 12, where if West Virginia had gotten a, a really good win over an NC State team that a lot of people think can win 8, 9, 10 games, all of a sudden – that's another boost for the top half of the conference and saying this conference is, is darn good. It is. Now, the Texas Tech game, you know, the Texas Tech defense, 63 to 49 is the most classic Texas Tech score ever. Alan Bowman sets a Big 12 freshman record with a monster game. Well-deserved 605 passing yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he looked really good. But you think about this team in general and what it is. It's the same old Texas Tech team. They're going to score 60 points, whatever they're going to put up on the board, but they're going to give up 50. And I thought this defense was going to be better. I did. Now, I know Houston has a really good offense. Kendall Browse knows how to put points on the board. I totally get that, and I can respect the offense for Houston. But it looks like it's going to be another one of those Texas Tech games, uh, Texas Tech seasons, where they win six games – they score a lot of points, and they give up a lot of points. I don't know if that's what the Texas Tech fan wants at this point, if that's going to be enough to justify keeping a Cliff Kingsbury. Look at what a guy like uh, Neil Brown did at Troy yesterday. They beat Nebraska. North Texas got a big win yesterday over Arkansas. Seth Luttrell's the head coach there. These two guys are going to be hot commodities. Can Texas Tech nab a, a Neil Brown or a Seth Luttrell? Do they want to go in that direction and start over, just get fresh? Or do they want to give Cliff Kingsbury another chance after he goes 6-6? Six and six? I don't know what Kirby Hocutt's going to have to sit there and say, this is what I need to see to justify keeping Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know the answer. If he goes to a bowl game at 6-6 six and six and wins, is that good enough? I mean, you can, you can justify both sides of that. You really can. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for the Red Raiders going forward. But this looks to me like, like a 500 team for Texas Tech. That's what it is. Duke crushing Baylor. This is one of the picks that I had right yesterday. I was all over Duke plus six and a half. You know, Baylor beat two crummy teams. And I know Baylor fans were happy because they had doubled their win total. And that's all well and good. But let's be honest. This Baylor defense is not good. The offense is solid. Still some question marks at what you're going to do at quarterback. Is it, McClell is it uh, McClellan? Am I saying – no, McClendon? I don't know. I'm mixing it all up. Or is it Charlie Brewer? It's one of those two guys. And clearly, Matt Rule does not have the answer yet. He's not sure which direction he's going to go. Yeah, McClendon. That's, uh, that's what I meant to say. But they both had their moments yesterday. They both did. And I think eventually, Matt Rule is going to have to just go with one of these guys and kind of move on from there. I don't think he can keep bouncing back and forth. I don't think that would be all that good – 
um, for for this Baylor Bears team. But the defense is going to get eaten alive this year. They're going to be giving up 30, 40 points every game like it's nothing. K-State gets a much-needed win over UTSA. You know, UTSA had played two Power 5 teams in a row before this. They played Arizona State and then Baylor. They were worn down. I still don't love Kansas State, although the offensive line looked better. That's a big key for K-State. The offensive line was a mess the first couple of games, and UTSA has a pretty good defensive line, actually. And K-State's offensive line finally toughened itself up. That's a big deal, and that's a good job by them. So I'll give Kansas State some credit. Skylar Thompson, of course, getting the bulk of the action and look good doing it. It looks like they've settled on the quarterback situation there. Long overdue. Um, for for Bill Snyder, it was time to just give one of these guys a shot and move on. That's it. We're on Periscope. We're on Facebook Live. Throw in your questions, your comments as well. We can get to them, and we can have that conversation with you. Now, let's get to these night games. Texas, the biggest surprise for Texas was how good the offensive line was. Finally, maybe Herb Hand's attitude and what he brought over from Auburn is paying off. It might have taken a couple of weeks, but finally you're seeing this offensive line pick up some steam and start to look good and push USC off the ball. I thought USC's defensive line, its front seven, got eaten alive last week by Stanford simply because Stanford had a great offensive line. But it actually looks like all of a sudden this Texas offensive line is coming into its own, and that's enormous as they get ready for Big 12 play and as they get ready to have in you know, someone like TCU this weekend, which is what they're going to have to play and who they're going to have to beat. So I think Texas fans should be encouraged, but it still bothers me that Texas plays up and down the competition. Temple lost to – or Maryland lost to Temple on Saturday. Temple's a team that lost to Villanova, an FCS program, in week one. The fact that Tom Herman does not get his guys up for games that are not perceived to be big games or games that they're supposed to win on paper by a couple of scores, that's concerning. And that should bother a lot of big or Texas fans because you're in year two and you play up and down the competition. These are your guys. That can't happen anymore. You can't be blaming that on the culture from the previous regime. So Sam Ellinger looks good when he has some time in the pocket. Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson have a chance to be the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the Big 12. They're big, they're solid, they're studs. I don't think they will be, but they can be in that conversation if they continue to progress and reach their potential. That's how good those two guys are. But all of a sudden, Texas looks like it's a top half of the Big 12 type of team. Now, they could blow that up again in a couple weeks, but for now, you got like to exact, like where that's headed. The other game, TCU. The Horn Frogs did the Big 12 a solid last night. They were up a point at halftime, and the entire nation was watching this game. I saw the ratings this morning, and far more people watched Ohio State TCU than watched Texas USC. And the fact that TCU did not give up an offensive touchdown in the first half, um, and also on top of that, they were leading by a point at halftime. They had a disastrous third quarter. But TCU hung right in there against what I believe is the most talented team in the country outside of Alabama. Just in terms of racking up the individual talent, amount of four- and five-star guys, TCU held its own. And TCU should be very happy with how this game went. 
there's no doubt in my mind that the Horned Frogs are going to be competing for the Big 12 championship in November. They're going to be in the mix. Gary Patterson, you want to win one game. One game. Give me Gary Patterson each and every time. There's no doubt in my mind that that's the guy I would pick. I absolutely love what Gary Patterson has going on, how good he is in matching up and, and making adjustments and changes and just coaching his guys. I, I love what TCU did last night. I'm not a big moral victories guy. I'm not. I don't like to really count those. But every once in a while, you got to take one. And that's exactly what TCU did yesterday in that game against Ohio State. The Big 12 could not afford to get blown out in many ways. The Big 10 needed that win. Ohio State needed that win for the Big 10 more than TCU did for the Big 12. The Big 10 was horrible yesterday. They had seven losses by their teams to non-conference opponents that were unranked. That's how bad it was for the, uh, for the Big 10 yesterday. So in many ways, they kind of needed that one even more than the uh, than Oh, than TCU did for the Big 12. Let me rip off some of those games for you here. I'm going to pull them off in case you didn't see this. The Big 10 had an absolutely horrendous week. BYU beat number six, Wisconsin. You had, of course, the Kansas win over Rutgers. You had Temple beating Maryland. You had Troy beating Nebraska. You had South Florida over Illinois. Missouri beat Purdue. And Akron beat Northwestern. So, the Big Ten, so much for that, you know, we're the best, we're the deepest conference in America. They're now getting kicked around in some of their non-conference games. So overall, a solid weekend for the Big 12. Yeah, I'm giving Kansas a lot of credit. I'm hearing from you on Periscope. I am. Do I think that they are, uh, if those teams played 10 times, do I think Kansas wins by 40 points each time? No. Rutgers quit in the fourth quarter. Kansas steamrolled them. Let them feel good about this game. But Kansas is still going to be an underdog in every game they play this year. The Baylor game this weekend might be their best chance at a win. And um, after that, I don't know if they have another one on the schedule to pick up. TCU also has Ohio State on the ropes, just a few miscues. Yeah, a few miscues. That's it. You know, that pick six was a disaster for Sean Robinson. He had the strip sack in the end zone as well. They had the block punt. It came down to those three things. The defense played really well. They just 21 points on a strip sack on um, – on the pick six, and then on the blocked punt where they scored a touchdown two plays later. That's TCU played really well, but those three major mistakes will come back to haunt them. And that's why I thought ultimately that TCU was going to lose this game. Not that Sean Robinson isn't good. He proved he can hang, and Sean Robinson shakes off mistakes very well. But I felt like this is a young guy making, what, his fifth career start, fourth career start, I guess, the Texas Tech game last year, three this year. That's a very difficult spot against a very good defense, and you're not going to feel that pressure sometimes as a young guy. That's what happened in the end zone on that uh, sack recovered for a touchdown, and those things happen to young quarterbacks, especially against great competition. So I thought ultimately that would hurt TCU in this game, and it turned out it did. But overall, a very good weekend for the Big 12, and the conference should be happy with itself, especially after that week one mess. So there you have it. Any other comments or questions, throw them in Periscope, throw them in Facebook Live. We're also going through Face through YouTube as well. So jump into the conversation if you want. If not, I'm going to sign off. We are part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. And also be sure to check us out Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all three spots. We're there. Go to the site. 
and uh, we'll check it out. How good is Boise State? Uh, you know, they're, they've got a good offense, but Oklahoma State exposed them pretty well. And don't forget, the line yesterday in that Oklahoma State game moved like crazy. Oklahoma State was about a two-point favorite, and before kickoff, it flipped to Boise State being a two-point favorite. Someone put big, big money on the Broncos and got smoked yesterday. I don't feel bad for the guy but or gal, but that's what happened in that late line movement in the Oklahoma State-Boise State game. So a lot to get to. If you missed any of the conversation, be sure to start from the beginning. Share this on Periscope. Share it on Facebook. We appreciate it. We're brought to you by betnow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. We're using them. We're placing our bets there. And we will chat with you guys throughout the week on heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for joining us.